reading from the book of Genesis. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you, throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. The word of the Lord. The end of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, last week as we started this series, One Covenant, Becoming God's Family, one of the things that we did was we talked about what's the difference between a covenant and a contract. And, you know, quite simply, a contract is a business arrangement. It's how you make a deal. And a lot of people think that's how you approach God, that you strike a deal with God. You do this for me, God, or I do this for you, God, you do that for me. That's how it works. But this is not at all what our God is interested in doing. He wants to have a covenant with us, which means He wants to make us into family. So the conversation, and you you heard this a little bit in the Old Testament reading, is more like, I am His and He is mine. And in fact, you are His, which means then we belong together. It's becoming family. So we also, last week, started tracing that family storyline of God's. We began with Adam and Eve, of course, and then we went to their son Seth, down to Noah, and then his son Shem. And today starts taking us towards Abram, but in the middle of that lineage, there's a guy named Eber, which is where you get the name Hebrew. So Abraham is called Abraham the Hebrew. Now, God changed his name. It started as Abram. He changed it to Abraham, as you heard in the reading, because Abraham means the father of many nations or many, many peoples. So we're going to pick it up in Genesis 12, a little bit before the reading I shared with you. And Abram, we're told at that point, is 75 years old. And he's told to leave his hometown of Ur. Where are you from? I'm from Ur. Like, what a great name for a town, right? Ur. But actually, Ur was uh, sort of, if you could kind of combine New York and D.C. and Vegas and Hollywood all in one, Ur was quite the the civilization in, in the ancient world. It was quite a place. And God says, I want you to leave this place to a land that I'm going to show you. Where are we going? <laughs> you know, you ever done that? Like, where are we going? I don't know. Just get in the car and I'll show you. And that's kind of what God does to him. And he says, leave behind your family because I'm going to make a new family out of you. In fact, your family is going to bless all the nations, all the families on the earth. Now, step back from that for a second because that's a pretty big promise God is making to him. Pretty big. By the way, did I mention he was only 75 years old already? 75 years old. This is what God's going to do. Okay, so we fast forward then to Genesis 15. Abram is talking to God about this promise he makes and says, you know, Lord, there's a little glitch in your plan here. Sarah and I don't have any kids. How am I going to have this big family? How's that going to work? 
But God promises him that he is going to have a son. And he tells Abram, I want you to go outside. And it says this, look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. Now think of what that must have been like. Abram's standing out there on a starry night. He doesn't have any children, and God is promising to him that he's going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Again, God makes big promises. The next verse says, Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. He believed. All right, so we're good, right? Yeah, well... Abram is a guy I can certainly relate to, and maybe you can as well, you know. Big, bold, strong faith, one minute, and then mm, wobbly the next. Ever happened to you? You know, you feel like your faith is on again and then off again. Lord, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Well, just like last week, and this is one of the reasons why we're looking at these biblical characters is we can, we can find ourselves in light company with them. They're there for a reason to show us what to do. So Abram at this point is 86 years old, and Sarai, his wife, is well beyond childbearing years is what we're told. So she comes up with this plan, says, we're going to help God out a little bit here, all right? Here, Abram, take my maidservant and have a baby with her. Her name is Hagar. Abram goes along with the plan, and Ishmael is born. And God says, no, 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 that is not what I meant Now, because I love you, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bless Ishmael. But no, you are going to have a son with Sarai. But by this point, Abram is now 99 years old and Sarah is 90. And so to sort of raise the stakes of this promise that God is making, now is the point where he adds the sign to the covenant. Now, if you remember from last week, we talked about how with each of the covenants that God gives, He gives a sign. So for Adam and Eve, it was the sign of the one flesh union. For Noah, it was the sign of the rainbow. And for Abram, it's, um, yeah, it's a little more painful, a little more awkward to talk about. But we've got to get this over, get through our squeamishness. It's circumcision. And you've got to ask yourself, like, why? Why, Lord, would you make this the, the, the sign of your covenant? But keep in mind, our God is not a prude, (laughs) and He's really quite earthen. So, what's the promise in this covenant? That they're going to have a baby. Well, a man needs that part of his body to help make a baby. And so now, when he would go to make love to Sarah, the scar, the sign of the covenant, was there to remind him of God's promise. And God then instructs that all of his descendants, his male descendants, are to have this sign of the covenant. Why? Because remember, what's the promise? That there's going to be descendants like stars in the sky. Every Hebrew male is now in on this covenant as part of fulfilling this promise God first made to Abram. God makes big promises, and he has this plan that he wants a big family. So what we heard in our reading, Genesis 17, God says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. That's what it means. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And then notice later on, he changes Sarah's name to Sarai, to Sarah, which means something like princess or queen. So what does Abraham do? Sir, 
Yes, sir, I will get right on that, sir. Now, if you would read on, the part that it skipped over in the reading is that he laughs at God. (laughs) Okay, Lord, look, I'm almost 100 years old. She's 90. Lord, I love you, but come on. All right, listen, it's okay. God, go just use Ishmael. It's okay. That's good enough for us. God says, nope, nope, no. You are going to have a son with Sarah, and you're going to name him Isaac. And the name Isaac means laughter. And a year later when he was born, God got the last laugh, faithful to his promise. In fact, I'm sure Abraham and Sarah had much joy and laughter. Until the day when there wasn't so much laughter. Isaac's a little bit older now, and God says to him, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, how is God going to fulfill his promise if Abraham sacrifices his only son? But this time, Abraham doesn't question it. He just simply obeys what God tells him to do. And as he puts the wood on Isaac's back to carry up for the burnt offering, Isaac innocently asks him, Father, where's the lamb for the offering? And no doubt, I mean, any dad here or mom can understand. Like, I can't, he must have been choking back his tears when Abraham responded. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Now, perhaps you know how the story goes. At the very last second, I mean, Abraham has the knife out and is about ready to do it, and God says through his angel, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am, and he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And when Abraham looks up, there's a ram caught over in the bushes, and he takes that and he offers that as the sacrifice. See, God did provide the lamb for the offering in place of his son. And at the end of this chapter, this is chapter 22, God promises Abraham again, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, the word offspring there in Hebrew is literally more like seed, and it's a singular word, singular, not plural. And Paul picks up on this in Galatians 3. He says this, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. See, God showed through Abraham and Isaac what he himself was going to do some 2,000 years later. What he ultimately does not ask Abraham to do is precisely what our Father has done for us. He's offered his one and only Son, whom he dearly loves. And as Jesus carries the wood of the cross to a mountain called Moriah, also known as now Jerusalem, the Father provides the lamb. He provides the lamb for us. That's our first takeaway for today. And here's the second. Let's face it, faith is is hard, isn't it? God promises 
big things, seemingly impossible things for us to trust and believe. And a lot of times he takes a long time before he fulfills it, and we're just supposed to be patient with that. We're supposed to trust him, we're supposed to believe, and we're supposed to be obedient in ways that seem beyond our abilities. But here's the thing. Your faith grows and it gets stronger, not because you have this sort of inner ability in yourself to sort of pull it out of you. No, no, no. Here's how your faith grows. God makes His promises and He shows that He's faithful and He keeps His promises and that He can be trusted. Think of this episode when God says, you're going to have a son with Sarah. God, He laughs, but God fulfills it. Then when he says, now go sacrifice that son, Abraham obeys it. See how he's grown? Hebrews 11 says this, By faith Abraham, was, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. But here's my point. See, his faith didn't start at that point. God brought his faith to that point. So when you struggle and when you doubt, as we all do, friends, read the Scriptures. But also trace your own steps, the events of your life, and and look back and see how God has been faithful to you in the past, and now let that strengthen you as you live now. Here's the third thing. Put that faith and that trust in the Lamb that He provided, in Jesus. See, this is how we enter into God's family. Very few of us here are of Jewish descent, right? We are not of the family bloodline of Abraham. So the next time it's one of those dark, clear, starry nights, go out and look. And look up at the sky and and remember this promise that God made to Abraham. And then laugh with joy. Because you are a part of that promise. See, you are one of those stars Abraham saw thousands of years ago. How so? Because the sign of circumcision is fulfilled in Jesus, himself circumcised at eight days old as a descendant of Abraham. But Paul explains this in Colossians 2. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. See, how are we brought into the covenant of circumcision? Because Christ was circumcised, and we are joined to Christ in our baptism, so his circumcision is ours. We receive the promises through faith. This is what Paul says in Galatians 3. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God, daughters of God, through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have been put on Christ, so there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Friends, every one of us wants to belong to a family. We want to love and we want to be loved. 
And yet we all know that our families are broken and they're filled with tension and all kinds of struggle. We know that our human family, the society we live in, is broken and and filled with struggle. Think of all the, the racial tension that we've been facing. I mean, really, why can't we just all get along? All of the hatred, all of the the atrocities, all the injustice that we have done, and we continue just to do to each other as fellow human beings. And no matter how valiant our efforts are as a society trying to fix this, the thing that's going to fix it, my friends, is our God's big promise, which is that every nation, every race, every family, every person is to be brought into the family of Abraham. That's the one big human family that we're all hoping to have, where everyone there then is treated with equal dignity and respect and love. This is the family then where God is our true father, and Jesus is our true brother, and the Holy Spirit unites us then as brothers and sisters. This is the big plan. One God, one covenant, one family. So here's the last thing, very quickly. This is precisely why we've been joining Jesus on his mission this year. Why we've wanted to give witness to him, because we want the family to grow. We want to add stars to this ever-expanding universe of his family. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.